Chapter Nine of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Celine Major. The Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three by Eugène Sue. Chapter Nine. Saint Lazare. The prison of Saint Lazare, especially devoted to female thieves and prostitutes, is daily visited by many ladies whose charity, whose names and whose social position command universal respect these ladies educated in the midst of the splendours of fortune these ladies properly belonging to the best society come every week to pass long hours with the miserable prisoners of st lazare watching in these degraded souls for the least indication of an aspiration towards good the least regret for a past criminal life and encouraging the good tendencies urging repentance and by the potent magic of the words duty honour virtue withdrawing from time to time one of these abandoned fallen degraded despised creatures from the depths of utter pollution accustomed to delicacy and the most polished breeding of the highest circles these courageous females quit their homes after having pressed their lips on the virgin foreheads of their daughters pure as the angels of heaven and go into dark prisons to brave the coarse indifference or infamous language of these thieves and lost women faithful to their tasks of high morality they boldly plunge into the tainted soil place their hands on those gangrened hearts and if any feeble pulsation of honour reveals to them a slight hope of recovery they contend for and snatch from irrevocable perdition the wretched soul of which they have never despaired having said so much by way of introduction to the new scenes to which we are about to direct attention we will introduce the reader to st lazare an immense edifice of imposing and repulsive aspect situated in the faubourg st denis ignorant of the shocking drama that was passing at her own house madame d'harville had gone to the prison after having received certain information from madame de lucenay as to the two unhappy females whom the cupidity of jacques ferrand had plunged into misery madame de blaival one of the patronesses of the charity of the young prisoners being on this day unable to accompany clemence to st lazare she had gone thither alone she was received with great attention by the governor and the several female superintendents who were distinguished by their black garments and the blue ribbon with the silver medal which they wore round their necks one of these superintendents a female of mature age with a serious but kind expression of countenance remained alone with madame d'harville in a small room attached to the registry office we may easily suppose that there is often unrecognized devotion understanding commiseration and sagacity amongst the respectable females who devote themselves to the humble and obscure function of superintendent of the prisoners nothing can be more excellent more practical than the notions of order work and duty which they endeavour to instil into the prisoners in the hope that these instructions may survive their term of imprisonment in turns indulgent and firm patient and severe but always just and impartial these females incessantly in contact with the prisoners end after the lengthened experience of years by acquiring such a knowledge of the physiognomy of these unfortunates that they can judge of them almost invariably from the first glance and can at once classify them according to their degree of immorality madame armand the inspectress who remained with madame d'harville possessed in a remarkable degree this almost supernatural prescience as to the character of the prisoners her words and decisions had very great weight in the establishment madame armand said to clemence since madame wishes me to point out to her such of our prisoners as have by good conduct or sincere repentance deserved that an interest should be taken in them i believe i can mention to her a poor girl whom i believe to be more unfortunate than culpable for i am not deceived when i say that it is not too late to save this young girl 
an unhappy creature of not more than sixteen or seventeen years of age and for what is she imprisoned she is guilty of being found in the champs-elysees in the evening as it is prohibited to such females under very severe penalties to frequent by day or night certain public places and as the champs-elysees are in the number of the forbidden promenades she was apprehended and does she appear to you interesting i never saw features more regular more ingenuous picture to yourself my lady the face of a virgin and what adds still more to the expression of modesty in her countenance is that on coming here she was dressed like a peasant girl of the environs of paris she is then a country girl no my lady the inspectors knew her again she had lived for some weeks in a horrible abode in the cite from which she has been absent for two or three months but as she had not demanded the erasure of her name from the police registries she comes under the power of that body which has sent her hither but perhaps she had quitted paris to try and reinstate herself i think so madame and it is therefore i have taken such an interest in her i have questioned her as to her past life inquired if she came from the country and told her to hope as i did myself that she might still return to a course of good life and what reply did she make lifting her full and melancholy blue eyes on me filled with tears she said with angelic sweetness i thank you madame for your kindness but i cannot say one word as to the past i was apprehended i was doing wrong and i do not therefore complain but where do you come from where have you been since you quitted the cite if you went into the country to seek an honest livelihood say so and prove it we will write to the prefect to obtain your liberty your name will be scratched off the police register and you will be encouraged in your good resolutions i beseech you madame do not ask me i cannot answer you she replied but on leaving this house would you return again to that place of infamy oh never she exclaimed what then will you do god only knows she replied letting her head fall on her bosom very singular and she expresses herself in very excellent terms madame her deportment is timid and respectful but without servility nay more in spite of the extreme gentleness of her voice and look there is in her an accent and her attitude a sort of proud sorrow which puzzles me if she did not belong to that wretched class of which she forms one i should say that her haughtiness announces a soul which has a consciousness of dignity but this is all romance exclaimed clemence deeply interested and finding as rodolph had told her that nothing was more interesting than to do good and how does she behave with the other prisoners if she is endowed with that dignity of soul that you imagine she must suffer excessively in the midst of her wretched associates madame for me who observe all from my position and from habit all about this young girl is a subject of astonishment although she has been here only three days yet she already possesses a sort of influence over the other prisoners in so short a time they feel for her not only interest but almost respect what these unhappy women have sometimes the instinct of a remarkable delicacy in recognizing and detecting noble qualities in others only they frequently hate those persons whose superiority they are compelled to admit but do they hate this poor girl far from it my lady none of them knew her before she came here they were at first struck with her appearance her features although of singular beauty are if i may so express myself covered with a touching and sickly paleness and this melancholy and gentle countenance at first inspired them with more interest than jealousy then she is very silent another source of surprise for these creatures who for the most part 
always endeavour to banish thought by making a noise talking and moving about in fact although reserved and retiring she showed herself compassionate which prevented her companions from taking offence at her coldness of manner this is not all about a month since an intractable creature nicknamed la louve the she-wolf such is her violent and brutal character became a resident here she is a woman of twenty years of age tall masculine with good-looking but strongly marked features and we are sometimes compelled to place her in the black hole to subdue her violence the day before yesterday only she came out of the cell still irritated at the punishment she had undergone it was meal-time the poor girl of whom i speak could not eat and said sorrowfully to her companions who will have my bread i will said la louve i will then said a creature almost deformed called mont saint jean who is the laughing-stock and sometimes in spite of us the butt of the other prisoners although several months advanced in pregnancy the young girl gave her bread to this latter to the extreme anger of la louve it was i who asked you for the allowance first she exclaimed furiously that is true but this poor woman is about to become a mother and wants it more than you do replied the young girl la louve notwithstanding snatched the bread from the hands of mont saint jean and began to wave her knife about and to vociferate loudly as she is very evil disposed and much feared no one dared take the part of the poor goualeuse although all the prisoners silently sided with her what do you call her madame la goualeuse it is the name or rather the nickname under which they brought her here who is my protégée and will i hope my lady soon be yours almost all of them have borrowed names this is a very singular one it signifies in their horrid jargon the singer for the young girl has they told me a very delightful voice and i believe it for her speaking tones are sweetness itself but how did she escape from this wretch la louve rendered still more furious by the composure of la goualeuse she rushed towards her uttering menaces and with her uplifted knife in her hand all the prisoners cried out with fear la goualeuse alone looking at this fierce creature without alarm smiled at her bitterly and said in her sweet voice oh kill me kill me i am willing to die but do not make me suffer too great pain these words they told me were uttered with a simplicity so affecting that almost all the prisoners burst into tears i can imagine so said madame d'harville deeply moved the worst characters continued the inspectress have fortunately occasional good feelings when she heard these words bearing the stamp of such painful resignation la louve touched as she afterwards declared to her inmost core threw her knife on the ground fell at her feet and exclaimed it was wrong shameful to threaten you goualeuse for i am stronger than you you are not afraid of my knife you are bold brave i like brave people and now from this day forth if any dare to molest you let them beware for i will defend you what a singular being this incident strengthened la goualeuse's influence still more and more a thing almost unexampled here none of the prisoners accost her familiarly the majority are respectful to her and even proffer to do for her all the little services that prisoners can render to one another i spoke to some of the women of her dormitory to learn the reason of this deference which was evinced towards her it is hardly explicable to ourselves they replied but it is easy to perceive she is not one of us but who told you so no one told us it is easy to discover it by what 
by a thousand things in the first place before she goes to bed she goes down on her knees and says her prayers and if she pray as la louve says why she must have a right to do so what a strange observation these unhappy creatures have no religious feeling and still they never utter here an impious or irreligious word you will see madame in all our rooms small altars where the statue of the virgin is surrounded with offerings and ornaments which they have made every sunday they burn a quantity of wax candles before them in ex voto those who attend the chapel behave remarkably well but generally the very sight of holy places frightens them to return to la goualeuse her companion said to me we see that she is not one of us by her gentle ways her sadness and the manner in which she talks and then added la louve who was present at this conversation abruptly it is quite certain that she is not one of us for this morning in the dormitory without knowing why we were all ashamed of dressing ourselves before her what remarkable delicacy in the midst of so much degradation exclaimed madame d'harville yes madame in the presence of men and amongst themselves modesty is unknown to them and yet they are painfully confused at being seen half dressed by us or the charitable visitors who come like your ladyship to the prison thus the profound instinct of modesty which god has implanted in us reveals itself even in these fallen creatures at the sight of those persons whom they can respect it is at least consolatory to find some good and natural feelings which are stronger even than depravity assuredly it is and these women are capable of devoted attachments which were they worthily placed would be most honourable there is also another sacred feeling with them who respect nothing fear nothing and that is maternity they honour it rejoice at it and they are admirable mothers considering nothing a sacrifice to keep their children near them they will undergo any trouble difficulty or danger that they may bring them up for as they say these little beings are the only ones who do not despise them have they then so deep a sense of their abject condition they are not half so much despised by others as they despise themselves with those who sincerely repent the original blot of sin is ineffaceable in their own eyes even if they should find themselves in a better position others go mad so irremediably in this idea imprinted in their minds and i should not be surprised madame if the heartfelt grief of la goualeuse is attributable to something of this nature if so how she must suffer a remorse which nothing can soothe fortunately madame this remorse is more frequent than is commonly believed the avenging conscience is never completely lulled to sleep or rather strange as it may appear sometimes it would seem that the soul is awake whilst the body is in stupor and this remark i again made last night in reference to my protege what la goualeuse yes madame in what way frequently when the prisoners are asleep i walk through the dormitories you would scarcely believe my lady how the countenances of these women differ in expression whilst they are slumbering a good number of them whom i have seen during the day saucy careless bold insolent have appeared entirely changed when sleep has removed from their features all exaggeration of bravado for alas vice has its pride oh madame what sad revelations on those dejected mournful and gloomy faces what painful sighs involuntarily elicited by some dream i was speaking to your ladyship just now of the girl they call la louve an untamed untamable creature it is but a fortnight since that she abused me in the vilest terms before all the prisoners i shrugged up my shoulders and my indifference whetted her rage 
then in order to offend me more sorely she began to say all sorts of disgraceful things of my mother whom she had often seen come here to visit me what a shameful creature i confess that although this attack was not worth minding yet it made me feel uncomfortable la louve perceived this and rejoiced in it the same night about midnight i went to inspect the dormitories i went to la louve's bedside she was not to be put in the dark cell until next day and i was struck with her calmness i might say the sweetness of her countenance compared with the harsh and daring expression which is habitual to it her features seemed suppliant filled with regret and contrition her lips were half open her breast seemed oppressed and what appeared to me incredible for i thought it impossible two tears two large tears were in the eyes of this woman whose disposition was of iron i looked at her in silence for several minutes when i heard her say pardon pardon her mother i listened more attentively but all i could catch in the midst of a murmur scarcely intelligible was my name madame armand uttered with a sigh she repented during her sleep of having uttered this bad language about your mother so i believe and that made me less severe no doubt she desired through a miserable vanity to increase her natural insolence in her companion's eyes whilst perhaps a good instinct made her repent in her sleep and did she evince any repentance for her bad behaviour next day not the slightest but conducted herself as usual and was coarse rude and obstinate but i assure your ladyship that nothing disposes us more to pity than the observations i have mentioned to you i am persuaded i may deceive myself perhaps that during their sleep these unfortunates become better or rather return to themselves with all their faults it is true but also with certain good instincts no longer masked by the detestable assumption of vice from all i have observed i am led to believe that these creatures are generally less wicked than they affect to be and acting upon this conviction i have often attained results it would have been impossible to realize if i had entirely despaired of them madame d'harville could not conceal her surprise at so much good sense and so much just reasoning joined to sentiments of humanity so noble and so practical in an obscure inspectress of degraded women but my dear madame observed clemence you must have a great deal of courage and much strength of mind not to be repulsed by the ungratefulness of the task which must so very seldom reward you by satisfactory results the consciousness of fulfilling a duty sustains and encourages and sometimes we are recompensed by happy discoveries now and then we find some rays of light in hearts which have hitherto been supposed to be in utter darkness yet madame persons like you are very rarely met with no i assure your ladyship others do as i do with more success and in intelligence than i have one of the inspectresses of the other division of st lazare which is occupied by females charged with different crimes would interest you much more she told me this morning of the arrival of a young girl accused of infanticide i never heard anything more distressing the father of the unhappy girl a hard-working honest lapidary has gone mad with grief on hearing his daughter's shame it seems that nothing could be more frightful than the destitution of all this family who lived in a wretched garret in the rue du temple the rue du temple exclaimed madame d'harville much astonished what is the workman's name his daughter's name is louise morel tis as i thought then she was in the service of a respectable lawyer named m jacques ferrand this poor family has been recommended to me said clemence blushing 
but i was far from expecting to see it bowed down by this fresh and terrible blow and louise morel declares her innocence and affirms her child was born dead and it seems as if hers were accents of truth since your ladyship takes an interest in this family if you would be so good as to see the poor girl perhaps this mark of your kindness might soothe her despair which they tell me is really alarming certainly i will see her then i shall have two protégés instead of one louise morel and la goualeuse for all you tell me relative to this poor girl interests me excessively but what must be done to obtain her liberty i will then find a situation for her i will take care of her in the future with your connections madame it will be very easy for you to obtain her liberty the day after to-morrow for it is at the discretion of the prefect of police and the application of a person of consequence would be decisive with him but i have wandered from the observation which i made on the slumber of la goualeuse and with reference to this i must confess that i should not be astonished if to the deeply painful feeling of her first error there is added some other grief no less severe what mean you madame perhaps i am deceived but i should not be astonished if this young girl rescued by some circumstance from the degradation in which she was first plunged has now some honest love which is at the same time her happiness and her torment what are your reasons for believing this the determined silence which she keeps as to where she has passed the three months which followed her departure from the cite makes me think that she fears being discovered by the persons with whom she in all probability found a shelter why should she fear this because then she would have to own to a previous life of which they are no doubt ignorant true her peasant's dress and then a subsequent circumstance has confirmed my suspicions yesterday evening when i was walking my round of inspection in the dormitory i went up to la goualeuse's bed she was in a deep sleep and unlike her companions her features were calm and tranquil her long light hair half disengaged from their bands fell in profusion down her neck and shoulders her two small hands were clasped and crossed over her bosom as if she had gone to sleep whilst praying i looked for some moments with interest at her lovely face when in a low voice and with an accent at once respectful sad and impassioned she uttered a name and that name after a moment's silence madame armand replied gravely although i consider that anything learnt during sleep is sacred yet you interest yourself so generously in this unfortunate girl madame that i will confide this name to your secrecy it was rodolph rodolph exclaimed madame d'harville thinking of the prince then reflecting that after all his highness the grand duke of gerolstein could have no connection with the rodolph of the poor goualeuse she said to the inspectress who seemed astonished at her exclamation the name has surprised me madame for by singular chance it is that of a relation of mine but what you tell me of la goualeuse interests me more and more can i see her to-day now directly yes madame i will go as you wish it and ask her i can also learn more of louise morel who is in the other side of the prison i shall indeed be greatly obliged to you madame replied madame d'harville who the next moment was alone how strange she said i cannot account for the singular impression which this name of rodolphe makes upon me i am really quite insane what connection can there be between him and such a creature then after a moment's silence the marchioness added he was right how all this does interest me the mind the heart expand when they are occupied so nobly tis as he said we seem to participate somewhat in the power of providence when we aid those who deserve it and then 
these excursions into a world of which we had no idea are so attractive so amusing as he said so pleasantly what romance could give me such deep feelings excite my curiosity to such a pitch this poor goualeuse for instance has inspired me with deep pity after all i have heard of her and i will blindly follow up this commiseration for the inspectress has too much experience to be deceived with respect to our protege and the other unhappy girl the artisan's daughter whom the prince has so generously succoured in my name poor people their bitter suffering has served as a pretext to save me i have escaped shame perhaps death by a hypocritical falsehood this deceit weighs on my mind but i will expiate my fault by my charity though that may be too easy a mode it is so sweet to follow rodolph's noble advice it is to love as well as to obey him oh i feel it with rapture his breath alone animates and fertilizes the new existence which he has given me in directing me to console those who suffer i experience an unalloyed delight in acting but as he directs in having no ideas but his for i love him oh yes i love him and yet he shall always be in ignorance of this the lasting passion of my life whilst madame d'harville is waiting for la goualeuse we will conduct the reader into the presence of the prisoners End of chapter 9 Read by Céline Major